Here we are now, with another series for the Andrew Lake podcast. If you are a regular listener of the Andrew Lake podcast, please share your favourite episode, as this will help me find my audience. It will help to find the people who are ready to hear what we are talking about here. And today, we begin this new series, which is a five-part series. And the title for this series is The Astonishing. And we're going to go into all the meanings. And we're going to show many examples. We're going to discuss many examples of The Astonishing. And in so many ways, this is very important. This is a very significant component of life. And it might be that the word astonishing doesn't mean much to you now. And really, it is just a word. But here, we're working with words. We're working with experiences. And we're reverse engineering both those things to go deeper into them. The astonishing is those things in life, and we've all had them, we all know them, but it's those things that leave us speechless. It's those things that cut straight into our very core. It is those things that are woven into who we are and how we see the world and what we do. And it can be many things. I say things just because things are things. And things is a very loose sort of word. It could be people. It could be events. It could be realizations. It could be emotional and experiential occurrences. The astonishing can be all sorts of things. And as you'll see, when we make our way through these discussions, as we explore this territory and brainstorm it together, it's not always bright. It's also darkness. It's not also pleasure, but also pain. And really, the astonishing is something that can be skewered into every single thing. It can be something that turns inside out onto itself until you realize that everything is astonishing. We all have different abilities to be astonished which is essentially a way of saying we're all affected by reality in different ways. And when we say the word ability, well, that seems to imply that astonishment is something that you can attain, almost like a skill. And it's not exactly. It's not exactly. Maybe that's something we can inquire into. Maybe that can be part of our questions as we make our way through these discussions as to what exactly is the nature of astonishing and is it possible to obtain it? What you might notice as you listen to me share what I find astonishing and why is that you'll 
have a resonance to the things I talk about. And some things will resonate more than others. But in that is your ability to be astonished. And by listening along and considering the things we discuss here, I hope that you will open more to your ability to be astonished. Meaning is personally based. Meaning is always nested in a human being. Words have always been said by humans. That's where it begins. That's where meaning begins. And if you say, I read a meaningful book, well, the book came from a human. Meaning is a human-centered thing. And that's very important to understand. Because the meaning that you get of something, or the significance that you get from something, it's almost like you're, you're feeding yourself on someone else's meaning. And this is very important. And this is very good. But essentially, what you have to do is transmute the skill or create the alchemy within yourself to create your own meaning. So what we're doing here is not feeding a set of rules or a set of examples that you can live by or a set of things that you can go and find for yourself, but rather we're demonstrating the process of that alchemy. So it's not as if I can tell you what is astonishing. I can't say to you, this is astonishing, and then you believe it. Or you say, yes, it is. Or even if you go and find out for yourself whether it is or not, and you do an inquiry, that's still a process. That's still a shallow relationship. This is not a, this is not a process of me giving you something that's astonishing and you either reject or accept it. Rather, it's an example of how I've found the astonishing things and what is occurring within me with the astonishing. And you see the process within me and then you can reverse engineer it for yourself. And it's personal. It's always personal. Because each and every person has a unique thing to them or collection of things or number of things that are astonishing to them. And we can talk about how the collective comes in and how we have things that are astonishing to multiple people because that's another side of the equation. But it always comes back to you. It always comes back to you as the foundation and me, you and me. We're both part of this inquiry. We're both part of this discussion. So when I say it's personal to me, you have to understand all the implications of that. It's quite deep. It's quite complex. And that's something we'll be discussing further and further as we go along. And there's a lot in that. There's a range of depth to astonishment. There's a range of depth to how much one can be affected by reality and in what way. And what we're going for here is depth which means that the most astonishing thing to you becomes something that's not quite so astonishing as something else that you've found. And in that is actually one of the things that stops people from finding deeper depths of the astonishing. Because they hold this thing 
is hold this one thing or this few, these few things that are the most significant to them, the most important, the most powerful. And they maintain their position within themselves as the highest thing or the most important thing. Which excludes the ability or the possibility for other things to come along to be more significant. And in that is, well, that's the collapse of meaning. And you can't understand the growing of meaning, the coming into meaning, the cultivating of meaning without understanding the collapse of meaning. So the other side of the astonishing is two things, really. One is the things that are simply not astonishing, the bland, the boring, the simple, the mundane, the day-to-day, the easy, the familiar. And that we could call uh, an opposite of significance and meaning. But there's the thing that is astonishing, which fades in its glow. It becomes not so astonishing. It becomes normal. And that is something that is quite amazing to understand because the astonishing becomes normal. And then you have new things which are astonishing and significant and meaningful. And then in turn, they become normal and more regular. And when you've repeated this process a few times, you're well on your way to cracking the code, to understanding the secret formula. And it will be not long after that that things collapse for you all around you. And you'll see that everything is meaningless and it will be the most astonishing thing that you've ever known. Now, there are also derivatives of this word or associated word. We can do word association with astonishing, the astonishing. And they all have different inflections to them. They all have different meanings, slightly different meanings, but we'll use them differently as we go along and just keep them in mind and Just remember that this word astonishing for this series, we're trying to be as malleable with it as possible and also quite complex with it. So just think of some things that are similar to the word, just like a basic word association with astonishing. And this is what I've come up with. Awe, a sense of awe, which is like a sense of magnificence. A sense of beholding something beautiful. That's awe. And then I've got shock. Like you've been taken by surprise. Like you were unexpected. It was unexpected. You did not believe or you you could not have seen that this would have happened. That's shock. It's the sort of thing you say, I don't believe it to. I don't believe it as an expression. You couldn't have expected it. You couldn't have in your wildest dreams imagined it up or foreseen it until it was right there in front of your face. That's shock. And then there's admire. To admire something. It sort of implies there's a kind of appreciation. There's a kind of understanding of its beauty, which is unique to you. And it's not quite as intense. To admire something is not quite the same as to be shocked by something or to be in awe of something. Admire, in my 
experiences of the word is a little bit more subtle. It's a little bit less intense. And admiration is often used for people. You usually say that about people. I admire this person rather than things. And awe is usually or things that are in nature, or big things like the planets and the stars, or occurrences. And shock is, well, that's an event-based sort of descriptive word. And then there's inspired. So if you're feeling inspired, you know where this word inspiration comes from? Taking in air. It's your breathing in. So something out in the world has come into you to make you feel more full. That's inspiration. Could be a piece of art. Could be something like a piece of music, like a great symphony. Could be a poem. Could be also something in nature. But inspiration implies that, well, there's something out there that has made an impression on your perceptions. You know, you've seen it, you've smelt it, you've heard it, you've touched it. And that's created this process within you, which has made you feel full. And also, it comes into creativity. So if you're feeling creative, you're feeling inspired. Or if you want to be creative, you say, I need some inspiration. And what's happening there is when they say, oh, I need inspiration, is the artist or the creator is saying, well, I need something out there to create this process or to have this process in my perceptions, which leads to me feeling full. And then after I felt full, I can breathe out again. So the inspiration is the in-breath and the creativity is the out-breath. And then we've got cherish, to cherish something. Are there things that you cherish? Are there things that you hold dear? Are there things that you're grateful had happened? Are there things that you feel were important to you and you hope you'd never forget about them? That's cherishing something. And that's an important part of your inner being. Another word I've associated with the astonishing is terror. This gets to the side of a bit more of the darkness to shock and events and things in the world making an impression on you. Terror, well, there has been a time in recent history when the word terror has been used for terrorism. There's a whole political implication to the word terror. There's a whole pantheon of international relations and history and religion and societies and countries and the whole thing is a big mess really. But here I want to claim back this word terror because I don't mean any of that political stuff. I don't mean any of that historical stuff. Really, bring the word, what we need to do sometimes with word is just bring them back down to earth. And the word terror is, well, it's kind of like a something shocking, but also something dangerous. Something that might threaten your being something that will threaten your safety. And many things that are astonishing will do that. They'll threaten you in many ways. They'll threaten your belief systems. They'll threaten what it means for you to have to change your life. They'll threaten what it means for what you think about yourself. They'll threaten for what it means 
for what's going to happen later on. For how things are going to change, and not always for the better. Or so it may seem. So that's terror. And there is a lot of terror in the astonishing. And the last word I've come up with for now, in association with the word astonishing, is expression. And remember, that's all this comes down to. It's what we're working with, is something's happened, and then you've expressed yourself. And you might express yourself by saying, that was astonishing. So you use words, you use a tone of voice, you use a facial expression, you use a body language or a body movement. What sort of body movement do you have that goes with the words astonishing or the astonishing or that was astonishing? Imagine, imagine calling this out, that was astonishing. Maybe you're not the sort of person who calls out such phrases. <laughs> Maybe yelling is something you don't do. and we all have different kinds of expressions but take a look at your own expression how do you express the the astonishing do you start talking lots do you start telling stories about it do you start getting all excited do you clench your fists does your heart start beating faster You have a look of shock on your face. Your eyes, your eyebrows go up. Your eyeballs pop out of your head and your mouth just opens. Maybe you don't say anything. Maybe when you're really astonished, you're speechless. You're really, you're you're mumbling. You you can't get your, it's just like you can't get your words out. You're you're fumbling. You just, you don't know, you can't think of it. You don't make sense. And it's just words just coming out of your mouth and none of it is, coherent or anything and it's just like you just yeah uh, 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 astonishing is that what astonishing is like and that's expression And that's an important thing to understand in the astonishing. So if you can, think of some more words. Do a little bit of a word association with astonishing. And also inquire into, well, the other words. What does it mean to be in awe? What does it mean to be shocked by something? How do you use the word shock? How do you use the word admire, admiration? Is it a word that you use very often? You might find that you don't admire many people and there's something there that you can build. There's something there that you can learn and inquire into and actually create within yourself if you don't. And then inspiration, how is your creativity? You understand creativity and how inspiration works with it? And what do you cherish? And what would you say terror is if you could take it back from the political and historical times that we have seen in the recent past? And also expression. Be aware of expression. And also my own expressions as we keep talking about these things and discussing the astonishing So today, this is episode one, and that's basically the preamble for this series. That's the introduction for this series. And now I will offer up something that I find astonishing. This will be essentially essentially what we'll do is we'll have cat, sort of categories of things each episode. So 
It will be one sort of thing and its associate things, and we'll have a discussion of these one particular subject each episode, and each episode will deal with a particular thing. And maybe we'll branch off into other things. Maybe you'll feel that some parts would have gone somewhere else, and it's just simply a matter of breaking down astonishing into smaller parts. So if you think cognitively of our pyramid, we have at the top the word astonishing. And then for each episode, we'll have a word or a subject. And then within those subjects, we'll have associate subjects and examples and discussions. And then even within those, we'll have also definitions and counter-arguments and counter theses and these sorts of things. So basically we follow an ABC essay sort of structure in this discussion. So keep that in mind for your cognitive shape. And today, this episode, or probably the first thing that I had come to mind when I was contemplating the astonishing was how lost you were. And it does take something to consider this because there's a lot in it and there's a lot to the meaning lost. And it is quite rare, it seems, that we really sit back and consider how far we've come Because it takes time. Because it is so far that we've come. So far that you've come. And I'd also like to mention here that as we proceed, when I say you, I also mean me. And sometimes I say me. Sometimes I say you. Sometimes I say us, we. But for many of these, it's interchangeable. And I've said that before. And I've just thought I'd remind you again. So don't get too caught up if I'm saying you, you are this, you are that, and it's not resonating. Don't worry too much about it because just you can just pretend I'm talking about myself or I'm talking into a mirror or I'm talking about whoever, whatever. You're just learning from an outsider's point of view. So Don't get too hung up on you and me because we're in this together. (laughs) So the most astonishing thing or one of the most astonishing things is how lost you were. And this includes how dumb you were, how much of an idiot you were. Have you ever realized that? Have you ever realized how stupid you've been? The things you did out of ignorance, the things you did because you didn't know better. It really is quite bad. And if you were to go back and see yourself saying the things you said, well, chances are you'd be met with a cringe. And if you were to go back and ask yourself, the sort of things you were interested in, the things you were working on, the things you were trying to achieve, well, you really would say, wow, you are so lost. You have no idea what you are doing. You are completely lost. And this is something that also ties in with how much time you've wasted. Can you get a sense of that? Have you ever felt that? You've ever felt this sense of, ah, I'm fed up. I've had enough of this. I've wasted too much time. I can't believe I wasted so much time going after those things which I don't want anymore or don't need or whatever. What a waste of time. And all this, well, it indicates how much you've changed. It indicates how much you've grown. It shows how much you've learnt. 
And if you don't have a sense of how much you have been lost in the past, then I suggest to you that, well, you actually do have to learn more to get that sense. And it's one of the things that you contend with when you learn a lot in a short space of time that there is a regret of the things you've done and said. And a mature way, well, let's just say that the first initial thing is to be angry at yourself. It's possible to be angry at yourself and disgusted with yourself. That's sort of an initial feeling. But that's just beating yourself up. And that's something that you need to overcome. That's something that needs to mature. And when it's more mature, you understand that, yes, it was wrong, but I had to learn those things. And that's a subtle difference to where most people normally live. Because most people live in denial. They don't know how lost they were. They don't know how dumb they were. They don't know how misguided and ignorant they were. Memory is seldom present. And it takes a work. It takes an active seeking within yourself to be able to recall your memories at the drop of a hat. And the thing that stops people from doing that is, well, they have this thing in them that is a dignity. And I'm not saying do away with it. We do need a dignity. But that dignity is the thing that says, oh no, I've always been a good person. I've always done the best I can. I've always made excuses for why I was wrong. I just didn't know any better. And the other side of dignity is, well, you can look at all this and say, well, okay, I'll have no dignity then. I'll just go around and think of how terrible I was. And then you've got a self-esteem issue. Then you've got a problem with your self-image, which is unhealthy. And then you're more like beating yourself up again. And there is a kind of comedy to this, the self-defamitation comedy, which is where the comedian stands up on stage and they tell this story about themselves, which is really embarrassing. And this is some of the best humor. This is some of the best comedy if you've ever seen it. It's hilarious. They say things about themselves which are just completely private You would never admit to it. And it's just it's shocking how bad and such stupid the comedian was. And they're they're telling it to everyone. They're up on stage and everyone's laughing at them. And that's a very powerful kind of comedy. It's a very powerful form of comedy. And it works because it's integrating something. Because everyone knows, not consciously, but unconsciously, that if the comedian feels comfortable to stand on stage and tell this story, actually, they do feel okay with it. Actually, they do feel like they understand how stupid they were and they've learnt from it. That's implied by standing on stage. And no one would say that. You know, that would would ruin the whole show. Like, say someone's in the middle of this story, this self-defamatory story, and someone came up on the stage, took the microphone from the, the comedian, said, you know what? I think you don't actually feel embarrassed by this story. I think you actually feel that it's quite a funny story. And you're really just telling us all like this to make us all laugh, that, that, that would ruin the show. It's just like, shut up. Get off the stage. Let him tell the story. Let us laugh at him. <laughs> we want to have a laugh. And that's the, well, that's the positive side of comedy. That's the side of comedy that's actually doing psychologically something quite significant and profound, which is resolving those things 
within us that was so embarrassing and so regretful because the comedian shows how you can actually be okay with those things. And it doesn't mean they're not there. It doesn't excuse them. It just means you need to integrate them. And maybe even more deeper than this is wasted opportunity. Because if you learn a lot, you realize that those times in the past, you could have made so much more of the moment. You could have experienced so much more. And if only you could have not been as lost as you were. And how much opportunity there was for someone who, who wasn't even... If, if, if only they were just a little bit less lost... If, they, if only they had a clue, if only they had a little bit of an idea, then things would have been a much better situation. Things would have flowed much more freely. Things would have been much more comfortable. It would have been so much easier to get through that part in life. It would have been so much easier to get through those things. If only, if only, what a wasted opportunity. Because of how lost you were. And beyond wasted opportunity, and or maybe within wasted opportunity, is regret. There's a lot of quick catchphrases around regret. Some people say, I've lived a life of no regrets. And you can say, well, is that a life? Have you learnt anything? And some people say, well, I regret the things that I haven't done more than the things that I have done. Well, that still leaves you with regret. You could also say, is that a kind of life? And if you do just live with regret, that's not enough. If you're full of the things that are terrible mistakes and you carry them with them, carry them with you, well, that's not enough because you do need to integrate it. You do need to learn from it. You do need to see how times have changed and how you have changed and you do need to change. And you do need to come back to a kind of dignity which is very much different to the dignity that is keeping you closed to the things you regret. It's keeping you ignorant to the things you do regret. And another funny catchphrase about regret is that, well, some say, I'd rather have lived trying and failing than never to have tried at all. And many derivatives of that. Which is that, essentially, at least I tried. And I don't regret anything because at least I tried. But these are all things that are surrounding how lost you were. Regret, change. Wasted opportunity, ignorance, dignity. And you can work on them. You can contemplate them. Because within them, there are things that you hide from yourself. There are things that you don't realize, which if you did and you could, would change very much how you feel about yourself. And you should be aware that when you go into how lost you were, you will be encountered with, you will encounter just an astonishment. Because you were so lost. You were an absolute idiot. And in so many ways, the, the abuse 
that you might hit yourself over the head with is well-deserved. And that anger at yourself, that frustration with yourself, well, that's a potential energy. That's a potential energy that needs to be given a sense of alchemy, and given a process of alchemy. Learning to be gentle with yourself is very important throughout that process. And there's another side to how lost you were, which is how sick you were. Do you remember being sick? you really remember it? This can actually be a very powerful experiential technique for gratitude of your health. You feel grateful for your health? How often do you feel grateful that you're healthy? How, do you, how, how often do you really feel healthy? You think, wow, boom, today, what a day. I feel just 100% health, 110%. All systems are just squeaky clean, perfect. Well, it might be that you need to do some work there. Clean up your bad habits, clean up your diet, work out what you are consuming, take care of your addictions and so on. (laughs) But beyond all that, say you're doing all that, well, you can go even deeper by understanding how sick you were. And we've all been sick at different times in life. It's quite a unique phenomenon. It's nothing quite like being sick in life. Imagine imagine something like a virus. Imagine what it's like to have a virus. So you're in bed. You can't really move. And it's something that's working its way all through your systems. It's in your lungs, it's in your blood. It's in your heart. It's in your mind. It's really all over the place. You could say, well, it's just a chest infection or a throat infection or something like that. And yes, that's the technical thing. But I mean, experientially, it's everywhere. I don't mean biologically. I mean, experientially, as in you feel everywhere that you have a virus. And maybe you can't eat. So something's happening all through your digestive system. You have a pain in your neck. And it's all doom and gloom. And who really wants to go back there? Who really wants to think about that? Because it is so uncomfortable. It is so disheartening. But let me say that the more clearly you can imagine how sick you were, well, the more you can realize how far you've come. And you really were sick. Can you think of a time... Go to the time when you say... Wow, I really was sick that time. You know, I had to have a few weeks off. I was bedridden. You notice that's a very small expression of something quite big and significant. You might come out of that sickness and say, one of your friends would say, Whoa, you were fucked. What happened? You say, Oh, yeah, I had this virus. Terrible virus. Couldn't believe that virus. I couldn't believe how bad that virus was. And of course, during the virus, when you have the virus, or whenever you're sick with whatever, you always have the thought at at least at least once, you think, Oh, why didn't I cherish my health? It's gonna feel so good when I come out of this virus. Oh, I just can't wait for this virus to leave. Because then I'll feel 110%. I would just feel overjoyed to be away with this virus. It's awful. And normal life is so good, by contrast. 
Well, in that is something quite astonishing. It's something that is there to be discovered. So ask yourself, how sick were you? (laughs) And answer it experientially, not just with words. So that's essentially all I have to say for just about now, which is how lost you were. So all of the things we've talked about today, we put under the umbrella of how lost you were or how ignorant you were. And there's a funny alternate side to this, which is not just how lost you were, but how lost you are. And this is where you really start to get into some big tangles. Which is when you realized how lost you were, which then is actually stuff that still applies now. Are you making the most of this opportunity right now? Are you acting out of your deepest wisdom now? Or are you acting out of in- in- ignorance Can you remember how far you've come right now? Are you going to remember this moment right now? Or are you really not, by any stretch of the imagination, lost? Are you found right here, right now? Have you found yourself? Have you found what's happening? And really, both those things are astonishing. Which is that if you are lost right now, well, that's quite astonishing. And it's the astonishment of that realization which will bring you to the astonishment of realizing that you are found. They really go together, being lost and being found. So we can talk about how lost you were and also how you were found. And we can talk about how lost you are. And we can talk about how you are found right now. And that is astonishing. So that's all I'll have to say for now, and we'll be back very soon with the next part in this series. It's a five-part series, and there'll be plenty more to come. So thanks very much for tuning in. Hope you have a beautiful day. Do some contemplation. Write in your journal. Take care of your relationships. Speak with honesty, speak from the heart, appreciate nature, all the, all the usual things, all the things we're always talking about. We're always saying these things, and I'll say it again, and I really do mean it. So thank you very much, and that's all I have to say for now. <laughs>